Thanks to everyone at Headline Books for allowing me to come in and talk about books, one of my favorite subjects. Uh, and today we're talking with a brand new author, which is a really exciting thing. Calvin Fisher is his name. The book is Northfield, and it's about a character named Mark Northfield who finds himself in a world, amazingly, not too dissimilar from ours. When Calvin wrote it, it was a dystopian uh, thriller set in the future, and now we all are walking around in something of a dystopian world. So welcome, Calvin Fisher, to Zoom Into Books. Great to have you here. Thanks, Bert. Thanks for having me, and thanks for uh, Zoom Into Book for hosting this as well. Who is Mark Northfield? Mark Northfield is a, I'd just say the best way to describe it is, is an everyman. He just wants to do the best he can in the world he finds himself in, but like the rest of us, he has follies and faults, um, really has trouble let go of the past, um, but he's very noble and just really empathetic and can really relate to people in their hearts. So he's got the both good and bad qualities that all of us have. When you sat down to write this book, this was pre-pandemic, this was pre-COVID-19, you probably could never have imagined that we would all sort of be walking through this world that has a big similarity to the world that, that you wrote about in Northfield. So for folks who have not read this book, it is your debut novel, tell people what that big similarity is. Well, in Northfield, everyone needs a gas mask to go outside and be outside of their homes. Um, it's not quite a pandemic that's the cause, but rather a toxic gas that's um, sort of infiltrated the world. Um, but yeah, it's very similar. People feel very similar. They're very sick of the masks and feel very constrictive. I'd love to say I had a crystal ball and was able to uh, figure all this out before, but it's you know one of those coincidences. It's pretty amazing. The book is Northfield. The author is Calvin Fisher, available at amazon.com. And uh, you can visit Calvin online and, and find out more about him. Um, this is your first novel. What made you say, you know what? I got a book in me. I'm actually going to sit down and do this. I'm going to write a book. You know, it really started since I was a kid. Even when I was little, I would go around the neighborhood and sell comic books to neighbors. And um, I'd make a huge stack of them, all of my crude homemade drawings, you know, that are never good when you're a kid. Um, but just from there, I've been writing ever since, and I've written a couple novels before Northfield, but I really felt like this one was the, the strong breakthrough, um, I believe. For folks who haven't read the book yet, um, they call it an elevator pitch. You know, you get on an elevator, you're going to the top floor, got to tell somebody what the book's all about. So paint a picture for us of this world that Mark Northfield finds himself in. What's the book about? Yeah, so... The Book of Northfield is about a mercenary who's stuck in a really bad situation. Uh, as we've talked about, the world is just drowning in this toxic gas that's been around for a decade. Um, it's a really harsh place to be. People are very cold, um, very selfish, very absorbed in themselves. Um, uh, Mark Northfield feels pretty lonely in this place, but he's really trying his best to honor the memory of his dead wife. This is thrown by the wayside, however, when an adversary blackmails him, and he either has to kill someone or be killed himself. But unknown to him, his target holds the key to saving the world. What year is it set in? It isn't a specific year, but it is set a decade after the 
the bombs dropped. So a decade after the apocalypse began. And, and when you visualized Mark Northfield, uh, what age, what does he look like? How, how descriptive as a writer did you sketch him out in your mind? You know, I tried to give him a pretty distinctive look just so readers could really visualize this man in their head. He is around 35 years old. He's in his mid-30s. Um, he's got lightning-seared blue eyes. Um, he's got dirty blonde hair. So um, as, he, as he says at the beginning, he's starting to look a little older from his youth, but the good looks haven't quite left him yet as he, he teases. So. Um, I'd say that's the physical description you'll see in the book. And and when you sat down to write this book as a first-time author, I'm sure you've studied how other people write and how other people do things, but did you do an individual character sketch for, for the main characters in the book? Did you, you know, flesh it all out? Here's how old they are. Here's kind of what they look like. Here's their physical building characteristics. I did, actually. I did about a page per character of the major characters as far as, you know, outlining their basic physical attributes, as well as, more importantly, what they're at emotionally, sort of what their tempers are like, and sort of the history that's led up to them being this way. Um, I did leave things a little ambiguous for the imagination, but I uh, definitely detailed a lot about them. If you're just joining us, maybe you're scrolling through your social feed and you see these two guys talking about books. Well, the book is Northfield. The author is Calvin Fisher. It's his debut novel. It's available now at Amazon.com and uh, bookstores everywhere. So, Calvin, you and I have talked a little bit about uh, this this world that you built uh, for Mark Northfield to inhabit this uh, post-apocalyptic world. And world building is something that is often identified with in, in video games or, or movies, the Marvel Universe, for example. Did you, in your mind's eye, build out a world for Mark Northfield to live in? Absolutely. A large part of the novel is actually the world that's constructed. And, you know, the way I sort of went about creating it is I started with the situation as far as ground zero was that there was this gas everywhere. And pretty much from there, I just asked the question, what would this result in? You know, how would this result? How would people's attitudes result? How would you know, the architecture of the cities and infrastructure have to change in response to this toxic gas. And that's sort of the process I went just to create a um, sort of world and characters that felt believable to the situation they find themselves in. I wonder if, if you thought about with all of us stuck in our own uh, pandemic situation where now we're all like the characters in your book. We're all wearing masks to go outside. We're all living in in you know this this uh, somewhat post-apocalyptic time frame. Maybe, maybe that's a little uh, overstated, but it's definitely not the world of a year ago, right? If you think about where we were a year ago, what is it about this kind of fiction that people are drawn to? Because clearly, even during the pandemic, some of the most watched movies on Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu, some of the, the biggest video games uh, take place in these post-apocalyptic worlds. Why do we want to see that if we're living in it now? I think it's because some of the fiction we respond the most to is real characters and situations that are relatable. And in the case of post-apocalypse, even if we're not quite at that level yet, we all sort of feel what you're saying, right? Where we feel like we're in a post-apocalypse or that the world's falling apart. 
So seeing characters and seeing people who are going through similar struggles, maybe even a little bit worse, um, we feel sort of connection to them that's very strong immediately. And seeing them overcome these obstacles which reflect our own is very inspiring and helpful for a lot of people. Do you, um, when you sit down to write a story, and I know this is your first one, I'm sure there are gonna be lots more, but do you begin with the end in mind? Do you know how the story is going to end or does it develop itself and, and change during the writing process? I generally know the ending. Um, and that partly comes from me as a reader. It always bummed me out reading and watching movies as a kid when there's this amazing story or amazing you know, TV show or movie that you're invested in and all of a sudden it just ends very poorly. And um, it, it sort of puts a damper on everything you watch. So I really try to emphasize and make sure that the endings of my story are just as strong as the beginning. So uh, I place a lot of priority in what the ending will be. You talked about being a reader. Um, as a kid, did you read any of the classic sort of sci-fi uh, authors, the Ray Bradbury's, uh, Asmanov's, or, or who did you read as a kid? You know, my venture into sci-fi novels actually began a bit late. Most of my reading when I was a kid, the greatest bulk was actually comic books, especially the Spider-Man series. Um, of I just read all of them from all the different Spider-Man series and the whole Marvel universe. Um, that was a lot of where the sort of science fiction passion and love grew. And as I've grown older, sort of, <coughs> excuse me, started to explore a lot of those other more classic. You know, there are a lot of authors that uh, that are huge comic book fans. And just a generation ago, you know, none of those stories had ever been told in major motion pictures. But now the movies have, have somewhat eclipsed even the comics that are the basis of those stories. Your book feels very cinematic. Have you ever thought in your mind's eye, man, I'd love to see that made into a movie someday? Uh, absolutely. I think for a lot of authors, that's a big dream to have. And I, I'd certainly love to see a movie of Northfield. And I think you're right. And I think that's a lot of things readers have picked up on is there's a sort of, I guess, cinematic sense to the book. And I think that comes from my love of things like movies and comic books. So a lot of that sort of visual styling has uh, found its way into my writing. Who's going to play Mark Northfield in the film? Who do you see? Did you visualize a certain actor? Uh, you know, one, I didn't start writing it with it in mind, but after the book came out, I, I think Wyatt Russell would be a really good pick. He just seems to have a good range. Um, he's been in a lot of different things and played different roles. So I think it would be interesting to see him play Mark Northfield. All right. Wyatt Russell, if you stumble across this online, you may want to get this thing into pre-production. I love it. Northfield is the book. Calvin Fisher is the author. It's his debut novel. It's available now at Amazon.com. Special thanks to Headline Books for having us for Zoom into books. If you happen to have a question and you're watching live, you can pop it into the chat room there. We'll be happy to, to pose it to Calvin. And if, if you're watching the replay, you're totally out of luck on that. But they can reach you online. What is your website, Calvin? My website is CalvinFisherMedia.com. And the Fisher is without a C. So CalvinFisherMedia.com. You know, there was another very famous Fisher that was involved in uh, some classic sci-fi movies, Carrie Fisher. 
Um, I wonder if if there are certain video games or sci-fi movies that are set in the future that influenced Northfield that maybe you had thought about in the back of your mind while you were writing. Were there any big influences, any worlds that you were really into? I will, but one thing that reminded me of that, I know my mom's listening and she'll just have to hear me say is my mom's name is also Carrie Fisher, what? which is just Stop a kind it. of funny coincidence. Um, that must have I been tough for her. You know, she must have, every time she had to give her name for a driver's license, I'm sure everybody looked out the cubicle to see if it was the Carrie Fisher. So, you know, I think that was the worst part is because her name was actually, she has a slightly different spelling for Carrie. So everyone would spell it like the actress Carrie Fisher when that wasn't the right, um, wasn't the right <laughs> one. But sorry. Anyway, back to your question as far as uh, inspiration for TV and movies. Yeah, yeah. Were there certain movies or TV shows or video games that, that you sort of thought about as you were writing Northfield? I think so. I think the the game, the division, the sort of visual palette of it was something that I I very strongly appreciated and you know took a little inspiration from. I think the Fallout Two, um, as far as novels, uh, The Road by Stephen or sorry, The Road by Cormac McCarthy, where the world's described as ash, was a pretty big um, influence or two. Um, so I'd say those were some of the big ones. You consider yourself a gamer? Are you a big gamer? Yeah, yeah, I enjoy playing games. Well, for the, our, our viewers that maybe are not gamers and are not there a lot and, and don't know sort of the depths of video games and where they are in, in 2021, this is not Asteroids or uh, Pac-Man or Space Invaders. There are really... Uh, well-developed characters and well-developed stories there. So uh, describe this this video game you mentioned, Division. What what happens in that game? Um, you know, the situation of that is very eerily similar to what we're going through now. It's a sort of post-apocalyptic world, pretty similar to um, what we're seeing today as far as there's a pandemic that sort of erupted and a lot of the um, world is dealing with that and that's sort of what it's about. So. You know, that, that could be partly why uh, we're, we're sort of seeing that theme in a lot of fiction lately. You know, there, there are lots of young people, Calvin, that especially young boys, and I hear this from authors and, and school teachers who they say, you know, it's really tough to get teenage boys interested in reading, in reading books. And, you know, for many, many years, you know, your generation, my generation read comics. And before that, it was Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn or Ray Bradbury. But now they have to compete with these video games, these very immersive video games where you're first person and you're going through these really highly developed worlds. As an author, that must be an, an extra challenge for you. How do you overcome that? You know, I see it as sort of, I have a more optimistic view. I think people will love to consume media um, if they have characters they can relate to in a story they identify with even if it's not a genre or art form they're particularly familiar with. Uh, an example I always use is anime. It's not really my go-to. I don't really consume it, but you know, people introduced me to a couple shows where in spite of the art form that I am not particularly interested in, I was so absorbed by the characters and story presented that I got absorbed. So I think it's the same, you know, I think little boys have the, um, 
just as much capacity to love a book as anyone else. It's just, you know, getting to find the book that they're interested in, I think is just the biggest struggle. So to you, it really does come back to the character. There is world building and there's technical detail, but if the characters aren't there, it falls flat for you as a reader and a writer. I'd say for sure, because, you know, in five or six years, you may not remember all the little details and intricacies of the plot, but pretty much everyone always remembers the characters that they've experienced. So I, it's not everything, but I think it's a really big part of how everything works. I think Carrie Fisher did a nice job with you. Calvin Fisher is our guest today. He is the debut novelist of Northfield, its very first book. And, and if I can, Calvin, I want to spend some time with you talking about that because I know there are going to be viewers now who say to themselves, I've got a book in me. I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to write it. But a lot of people say that and very few people do it. And you did it. And it's a big job. So let's talk the X's and O's of how it all worked. You got the inspiration. And then what happened? So with Northfield, it was actually a huge trial and error period. The novel actually didn't start as post-apocalyptic. Um, it started as a thriller, just a straight thriller, sort of like you'd see with Vince Flynn or Tom Clancy almost. And okay. I actually tried writing that book a couple times I'd get 50 or 60 pages in and it just wasn't working. And, um, all of a sudden, when I was thinking about that plot, like six or seven months later, just like a thunderbolt, the idea came of what if it was post-apocalyptic and suddenly everything just sort of fell into place from there. Um, so obviously not much of that original vision that I had is in Northfield now. Um, How hard was it for you to throw away 50 or 60 pages, because that's that's a lot of work. And just to go, you know what? In the garbage can, it goes. You know, I think what might've been easier is at that point, I'd already written uh, probably three or four different manuscripts for books. And a few of them, I didn't really have any plans of publishing anyway. So I guess it was just uh, getting so used to the, the pain of it that you don't really notice at that point. <laughs> um, and I think, at that point, I was more excited about just finding an idea I really liked. So it was pretty easy to get rid of it because especially I wasn't super enthused at what I'd written by that point. So I know a New York Times number one best-selling author who got 320 pages into his book and just didn't like it. And he got rid of the whole thing and started with a completely different premise. But then the book became a New York Times number one bestseller. So uh, I guess you have to follow your gut there. When you sat down to write this book, having never done it before, are you the kind of writer that has to wait for the inspiration and then you sit down and, and it pours out of you? Or did you treat it like a job, a very regimented job where you said, you know, I'm going to sit at this computer and I'm going to sit here for an hour, two hours, or I'm going to sit here until I write a thousand words or 2000 words. What, what was your method? I really treat it like a job. I, um, I always just feel like, especially when you're writing the a story or a work as long as a novel, especially when it's a long novel, that's, you know, you're talking months and months, even a year or two of work and whatever passion you feel probably isn't always going to be there in the sense of, you know, you might have low days or high days. Um, you're like, oh, I really am passionate about this other thing instead. So it's really just committing to be like, okay, I'm going to write this book and get it done. And I'm going to write however many pages a day are needed in order to make it happen. So uh, just a lot of, you know, grit and getting through. 
Calvin Fisher is our guest. We're talking about the craft of writing. He's just completed and released his debut novel. It's called Northfield. You can find it at amazon.com and uh, reader's favorite gives it five stars. It's doing great. You were just on uh, the big station in your hometown of Minneapolis, WCCO, to talk about the novel. Was that uh, a big moment for you to, to get those accolades from your home market? Yeah, it was surreal. It's, um, you know, it's just crazy when an opportunity like that comes around. And, and, and I was just grateful to be on. And the host, um, Corey Hepler, was a really nice guy and just very accommodating. So it's a great experience in every way. We're talking about the craft of writing. And of course, the, the publicity and the marketing comes after you write the book. Um, were there times when you dealt with, and you say you treated it as a job, you would sit down every day and write a little bit, times when, when you dealt with writer's block? And if so, how, how do you get past that? I'd say the biggest part for me to get past writer's block is um, what helps me is really laying out the plot beforehand because um, even at that point, you kind of eliminate a lot of the writer's block out of the equation because you sort of know what you're going to write next. So even if there's, even if the inspiration's not with you that day and you write something you're not really happy with, you've at least gotten that little block done. And a, the bigger part of writing is actually editing and proofreading and that sort of thing. So you're always going to go back and revise and refine and change things. Are you the kind of writer, now that you've got one under your belt, and, and again, many more to come, I'm sure, are you the kind of writer that you love to write? And I hear that from some authors that we talk with. Or are you one of those writers that it's just a slog and you just hate it, but you have to get it out? There's just something that says, I got to do this. Uh, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, I think a lot of my joy from editing actually, or writing actually comes when working on the second draft. And because at that point, it's like, the problem with the first draft is it's almost impossible to make the first draft of what you've written as great as your imagination, you know, so there's always some level of disappointment. But when you get to the second draft, it's like, okay, I can make this better. I can make it into what I dreamed it would be. So I, I think a lot of excitements come from that period. But also, there's really no feeling like finishing the last page of a draft and just looking at the story which was in your head, but now is living and breathing in a document. And there, there's a magic of that that I don't think anything can really match. I have a, a writer friend who's also a runner and he relates those two things very much. You know, he, he hates being out there running and, you know, the weather's not good and things ache and you get winded, but there's an incredible sense of accomplishment at the end. When you did the final, final edits on this and you came to the end, was there a big sense of accomplishment? Did you feel like you were going through the, the, uh, the finish line? I'd say so, especially because I'm, I think of myself as my harshest critic. I'm sure maybe one one person with a real ax to grind might come and prove that wrong one day. <laughs> um, but I think um, it's, it's really hard for me to be happy with what I've written. So the thing, it's tricky with editing and working on something, especially like a creative thing, like a book, it's really hard to tell when you're actually done with it or when more work can come and usually one of the telltale signs for me is when I'm happy with it. So when I feel happy with it, like you said, that's when I experience such a great 
sense of accomplishment because I finally made something that I was happy with. I think this conversation that we're having is super helpful to first time authors or people who are considering writing a book because you did it on your own. You went out there and you kind of figured out how to make it all work. Did you take any creative writing classes or editing classes or courses online to help you get an idea of sort of how to go about this? Because I, I know there are a thousand different ways to write a book. So what sort of education, if any, formal education did you have about writing? Uh, you know, I had a lot of, uh, I took a good amount of creative writing classes in college. A lot of it was more workshop based. So everyone would write something and then have their classmates sort of peer comment on that. And having that feedback is really helpful, especially to sort of see what a reader thinks when reading something and you get a little bit more of the reader sense of view. Um, but a lot of it was just trial and error and learning by doing. Um, again, Northfield was probably the sixth manuscript I wrote. So it just through all those other ones, which I mean, they could be considered a failure in one sense, but I think they're more learning opportunities. It's, you know, doing it, you'll learn and you'll learn what works and what doesn't work. Um, so I'd say just, you gotta just go out and do it. And I think classes are helpful, but reading and writing are the best things you can do to improve. How do you become a writer? You're right, I guess, is the answer. Um, <laughs> You said something that's really interesting, though, about those creative writing classes that, that you took. The, the big thing you seemed to take away, or at least that you related to me and our viewers, was the critiquing from the other people in the class. And I know that's always tough for writers. I mean, you're putting your baby out there and, uh, you know, criticism's got to be tough to take, but you have to have it. Even some of the most successful writers that I work with they write for huge publishing houses. There's an editor there on the other end who goes through the manuscript with a fine tooth comb. Um, who are your first readers and how do you find objective readers that'll give you feedback? Carrie Fisher is going to tell you she loves everything you do, right? She's your mom. Of course, she's going to love it. But how, how do you get good objective readers and how do you as a writer not take that to heart? I would say, um, I've got a few friends who are, I just trust and know that they'll give me their honest opinion and aren't really afraid of my reaction, especially I'm not too angry of a person, so they're not afraid of me lashing out at them or anything. They're not going to show up at their house at 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning uh, with boxing gloves on. All right, good. Exactly. Um, I'd say along with that too, my dad has some, some of his friends are very, they're good readers. I'd say they're very good at critiquing and they are very helpful and eager to help me with there. So a thanks goes to my dad for and his friends. Um, so I'd say those. And as far as dealing with the criticism, I think a big thing to keep in perspective is when you get that criticism before you actually publish the book, you can do something about that criticism, which always is I think that's the hardest thing about criticism for me about when the book's published is like, oh, you're right. Like that probably could be better, but it, it's kind of too late now to change that, I guess. You just have to move on to other works. Um, so I'd say it's like, okay, yeah, that kind of is a bummer, but hey, at least I can go right into Microsoft Word and change this right now. Um, Are there times how you got to take it. when you get that feedback where, you know, you draw your line, you've got 
uh, in your mind. There's a reason why this is here in this way. And hey, thanks for the feedback, but I'm sticking to my guns on this. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the hardest things about being a writer is taking feedback and not just in the sense of, or criticism and not just in the sense of, you know, learning how to manage your feelings and being hurt. But a lot of the time it's trying to determine when feedback is something you should take or leave it on the table. And there are a couple things and some things I heard from people where I, I saw where they're coming from, but I realized that it was just more that the genre might not have been for them or the book just, they might not have been the target audience for it. And, you know, parsing that out can be really hard, but um, I've definitely a couple of times been like, you know, I appreciate that you looked at it, but I, I think I'm going to keep it as is. You know, in my broadcast career, um, we used to develop a target audience profile for every, you know, TV show, every radio station, every radio show that we did. And, and, we would specify it right down to, you know, the, your target audience is a, a 36 year old mom of two kids and they're in elementary school and they live in the suburbs. You we would really nail it down so that we could hit that target. When you were writing Northfield, did you have a target audience in mind? And, and if so, did it change as the book went on? You know, it started for me about the adult male range around 18 to 40 was my broad range. And a lot of it was for reasons you were talking about before, where it's just an age group where there's a lot of people, a lot of guys who love to read, but a lot of them who also enjoy it, but aren't really like finding the types of books that they'd like to read. And I just wanted to create a book that I thought could relate to a lot of the struggles they went through. But um, I've been surprised too at just the wide, positive reception as far as I've had a lot of people outside of that target group who have really connected with it. Um, so that's what I'd say. Calvin Fisher is our guest. His debut novel is Northfield, and it's available now at Amazon.com. A bookstore is everywhere. You can ask for Northfield or visit Calvin. And I should have written this down. Is it CalvinFisherMedia.com? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Visit him online at CalvinFisherMedia.com and, and catch his tweets and his social media postings out there as well. Hey, when you have downtime, what do you like to read? Do you read post-apocalyptic books? Do you read other things? Do you read a wide variety? What do you read? Who are some of your favorite authors? I try to read the broadest um, I can. I like reading sci-fi, fantasy, post-apocalypse, uh, history novels, nonfiction. Um, but I am reading post-apocalypse. I uh, love the Stand um, by Stephen King. I'm actually going through that right now. Um, but I'd say probably my favorite author is Brent Weeks. Uh, he's a fantasy author. He's done a couple of really cool series. Uh, so I definitely recommend checking him out. He's probably one of the best character writers I've read. Um, Brent Weeks. All right. And gets the Calvin Fisher endorsement. Uh, so Calvin, we talked about the, the process of writing this book. So you finally finished it. And, and you talked about something I've heard from an awful lot of writers, when to stop with the tweaking and when to stop with the editing and, and when you, you finally sort of turn that baby in and get it published. Um, you did that. You finally drew your line in the sand. You were pretty happy with it. And then for many authors, they're amazed to find out that people aren't just going to line up at the bookstore and buy their book because they finished it. There's a whole other side of it. To, to writing a book, and that's the marketing and, and the promotion of the book. 
And I want to know about your thoughts on all that. Were you one of those guys that, that thought, oh, it's going to be finished and now people are just going to line up to buy it? Or did you know there was a whole other end of it? Yeah, I sort of had a feeling that there'd be a whole other end of it. I know usually things don't um, just sort of magically happen, especially when you see how many novels are published on Amazon instance per day. Um, I always, I guess, have the notion that's a little hopeful, a little naive, I guess, too, that if you write a novel that's good, the readers will come <laughs> just through word of mouth and things like that. Exactly. Um, but I, it's, it's a little more complicated than that. And I sort of put Northfield out knowing that marketing needed to be done, but unsure of it. But I had a, a just a really helpful contact who sort of just got on some phone calls with me and we talked about it and we uh, came to the conclusion that a publicist would be a good idea for me. Um, so I went in pursuit of that, that avenue. In getting the word out, how important do you think social media is uh, for today's author? I think it's the way you need to go. I think a lot of people, how people even get their news even is through social media, which uh, I guess for good or for bad, that's sort of where people go to hear what's new and what's hot. Um, and I think just having to build a following on there is, is an important step, um, as well as um, finding media that's earned, seeing if you can find interviews like this one that, um, that we've been so gracious to have. Um, I'd, I'd say those are some really big things. It is really all about sort of peeling back the layers and trying to find ways to get the word out there and, and help people discover it. And, and there are specific tactics in social media you talked about. I just had a conversation yesterday with somebody who, who has done so much testing in the social media world. They found that the sizing of the ads, the number of pixels you use, uh, can make a huge difference. Were you active on social media before this book, or is this something that you're kind of learning how to do uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that goes along with it? Oh yeah, this is definitely being thrown in the deep end and just seeing what, what comes of it. Um, I've never been a huge user of social media for myself. I guess I'm a pretty private person in a lot of ways. Um, I used Instagram a decent amount before I used to post parkour videos on there a little bit but um other than what is that uh park parkour it's like uh, do you know what that is no what is that teach me so it's it's sort of like um if you see on american ninja warrior or things like that just the the people who do a lot of acrobatics like urban acrobatics almost where people are you know jumping across buildings and stuff like that okay um I used to train and do a lot of that sort of stuff. So I'd post videos on Facebook for fun as far as that sort of thing goes. Or sorry, Instagram, not Facebook. So you had to, to get in there and kind of learn some of that stuff, to learn how to be a Twitter master and, and Instagram and Facebook guy. Um, it, it is all very, very important. When, when, when COVID begins to wind down, and we're all very hopeful that that's happening now, with the case counts going down and hospitalizations dropping, um, would you like to get out there? You said you're a private person and do uh, in-person book signings or library visits or visit schools maybe and, and, and talk to you know high school kids or college kids about creative writing. 
would you would you want to do that as a private guy or are you one of those authors that wants to sort of stay behind the scenes yeah absolutely i i'd love doing that especially you know i i've always enjoyed teaching and i i think book signings would be really cool seeing people who enjoy your book coming and just wanting to get it signed would be a a pretty novel thing so while i'm private i do think um you know some of those things that come with being an author i'm willing and ready to take on and what about in today's world while we are all still at home you're doing zoom into books right now thanks to our friends at at headline books uh, would you be up for doing you know a virtual visit to a, a book club where there are folks on the other end who have read northfield and have them pepper you with questions or maybe even criticism you know or or doing a, a virtual zoom into a, a school classroom to talk about the book is your is your skin thick enough for that kind of thing i like to think so i suppose it's one of those you don't really know until you get in there but i like to think i have pretty thick skin and i it comes back to i think what i was talking about earlier as far as i try to be my own harshest critic so most of the time when i get criticism it's things that don't surprise me or that i'm usually aware of on some degree um which then the criticism still really nice to validate that in the sense of like, okay, I'm not just like, you know, pecking myself to death, but there's, uh, <laughs> there's some things going on here. So yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love all that. Calvin Fisher has been our guest today on Zoom into Books. The book is Northfield. It's a great read. And the best thing I can tell you about that book, and, and I'm sure you've heard it from a lot of folks, it's a page turner. It's one that you don't want to end. It's uh, ex exciting. There's action, it makes you think. And even though we're all dealing with masks right now and these guys have to wear gas masks to go outside, there's uh, there's something there I think that the reader will really be drawn to. Thanks for spending time with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. And thanks again to Headline Books too for uh, setting this up and having us. If you love thrillers, especially post-apocalyptic, dystopian kind of stories that are character-driven, Northfield is the one for you. Calvin Fisher is the author. It's his debut novel. Check it out at Amazon.com. Order it at bookstores everywhere. Thank you, Headline Books, for making this possible. Always a pleasure. For Calvin Fisher, I'm Burke Allen. Thank you so much for watching. Make it a great day. Bye, everybody.